So I want to introduce our subject today. We've been thinking about dealing with different things and today we're thinking about that whole subject of disappointment. But I want to cast your mind back to an event that occurred on the 12th of May 2001. Now, it may well be that that may well ring a bell for Chris. So it's given a bit of a clue for Chris as to where I'm going here. 20 years ago, it was the FA Cup final between my team, that's Arsenal, and Liverpool. My son was an avid Arsenal fan. We had kind of like um, uh, created some space for us, both in our Arsenal shirts. This was uh, dad and son time to watch this cup final, which was being held at the Millennium Stadium. My son at the time was eight and a half years of age. Oh, he's a little bit taller than he was uh, way back then. And it was a game completely dominated by Arsenal. You may well remember, Chris. Arsenal scored, but could they get a second goal? No. And although I could talk for ages about this, I'm going to praise it to say that then with about a minute to go, Michael Owens scored an equaliser completely against the run of play and then added on time, the little so-and-so went and scored a winning goal. Now, we had a a, a little football net that I'd made out in the back garden, and my son at the final whistle just went out with the ball and was smashing the ball very, very hard into this football football net. I thought, I'd better go and check if he's okay, even though I wasn't okay at all. And this was the words of my eight-and-a-half-year-old son when I said, are you okay? He said, no, I'm really, really Really, really disappointed. I've never forgotten that line. And that, to be honest, is what it's like to be an Arsenal supporter, if truth, if truth be told. Now that's going way back 20 years. But bringing things up to speed in the now, Janine has agreed to share a testimony with you this morning. So Glenn's going to uh, uh, go to Janine with a microphone. Now, Janine, I know there's been a, a variety of health issues that you've had. Um, I put the, the, the sort of the, the question out for people and, and you said, yeah, I'd be willing to share something. That subject of disappointment, how does that resonate with you? Well, 18 months ago, I woke up in excruciating pain in my back. and I was taken to hospital where they said that I needed to see a spinal surgeon. It took quite a while to see the spinal surgeon because they insisted I went through musculoskeletal before I could go and see a a physiotherapist before I could actually see the spinal surgeon. So it was a case of, I'm going to see him. No, I'm not. I'm going to see him. No, I'm not. Then I saw him and he said, well, I'm going to give you an injection into your spine and that'll finish it. You will have no more pain. Now, that was last October. He gave me the injection. It did nothing. The pain has not got any better it's got worse I saw him again in February and he said well I'm going to have to take it to my multidisciplinary team because I'm not sure we can operate but we'll see what we could do I had an appointment a phone appointment with him for the 20th of May in the afternoon at half past eight in the morning the phone rang his secretary was on the line saying I'm sorry he's ill not sick not not, we'll make you another appointment. I thought, oh gosh, how long is that going to take? Anyway, I've got an appointment for, for this week, this Tuesday. And he phoned me and he said, no, they won't do anything. There's no more they can do. They're going to refer me to a pain clinic, but there's no, no hope of any release of the pain, really. 
And how are you feeling in that beyond the obvious disappointment, Janine? Well, we've just decided we've just got to adapt now and get on with things as best we can. Yeah. So we're getting the equipment into the house, into the flat to help me move around and manage around in the flat Mm. and get on with it. Bless you. Thank you so much for sharing for that, that, Janine. We're going to pray for you because as soon as we go from a trivial example of a football match into the here and now and something really, really uh, relevant and topical, that resonates probably with a number of us about our own disappointment. Father God, we thank you for Janine's willingness to share what must be so painful for her, not just in the physical, but in terms of what she's seeing, feeling in terms of the, the way on from here. There's been that sense of hope and then disappointment. Hope and then disappointment. Expectation raised and then nothing. God, we pray for your grace as well as praying for complete healing. We pray for that sense of your grace to help Janine and Steve cope with the now. We'd ask that you bless them and that you'd encourage us to remember them as they go through and face their disappointment and their pain together. Amen. Thank you so much for that, Janine. There's going to be an opportunity uh, in a few moments' time for others of you to maybe share one or two of your own disappointments. There's a part of me that is feeling this. I hope that we've all been disappointed. Now, just in case you're thinking, did I hear that correctly? Yeah, you have. I hope we've all been disappointed in some degree. Because if not, then we've never had any dreams or any goals or any expectations, have we? But of course, disappointments hurt. Maybe you've not got the job that you've wanted. Maybe your kids have not turned out as you'd hoped. Maybe a friend has let you down. Maybe uh, there's been a sense that you've been disappointed with yourselves. You've acted impulsively or, or said something that you've, been, uh, that you've later regretted. Maybe you've hurt a spouse. Maybe you've been disappointed with God. And I'm not going to ask for a hands up on that one. Maybe you've prayed and prayed and prayed and as yet you feel that there's not been an answer. Maybe like Janine, there's been that sense of suffering that seems so pointless and there don't appear any answers. We've been considering our dealing with changing times, haven't we? And we've been doing that through looking at God's word, obviously, but through specifically exploring about the life of Joseph in the Old Testament. He's known both despair and success, and we've thought about that. And now we come to this subject of of disappointment, which is in the similar chapters that we looked at last week. Genesis chapter 39 and 40 reveals Joseph's uh, life as a complex mix of blessing and human disappointment. And our focus today is going to be on that. So we hope that when you leave this place this morning, you're all completely disappointed. No, we're going to pray that God is going to meet us where we're at, but help us know how we might face our own sense of of disappointments. Joseph was obviously blessed uh, by God through the confirmation that he had of those two prophetic visions. Yet we see him going through a number of trials following that would probably sink most human beings into a world of despair and hopelessness. But we don't see that sense of response 
from Joseph. After the unfathomable betrayal by his brothers, who even plotted his murder, Joseph ended up as a slave in Potiphar's house. That's in the beginning of chapter 39. God was still with Joseph and he blessed him. So Potiphar entrusted his whole estate and wealth into Joseph's care. That's the good news. And we think, oh, he's turned a corner. All is going to be okay. But just when things appear to be going well, as the right hand of this powerful official in Egypt, then Potiphar's wife took a fancy to him and she schemed to get him into bed with her. She prayed, pestered, and then even cornered him one day. Joseph wisely, courageously simply fled uh, from her advances. We then see the reaction and response of a woman scorned. Potiphar's wife then fabricated a story and obviously Potiphar finds out and then Joseph is thrown into prison. That's where we're going to pick up our story. It's getting a little bit like a soap opera, isn't it? If you think about soap opera. So we're going to now hear exactly what happened next as Jill comes to read to us from Genesis 39. Good morning. So Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warder. So the warder put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warder paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. After they'd been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials, who were in custody with him in his master's house, Why are your faces so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered, but there's no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him, In my dream, I saw a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and put the cup in his hand. This is what it means, Joseph said to him. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position. And you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you used to do when you were his cup bearer. 
But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. For I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews. And even here, I've done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. When the chief baker saw the Joseph had, uh, th- that Joseph had given a favourable interpretation, he said to Joseph, I too had a dream. On my head were three baskets of bread, and in the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. This is what it means, Joseph said. The three baskets are three days, and within three days Pharaoh will lift off your head and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat away your flesh. Now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday, and he gave a feast for all his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position, so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker, just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Thank you, Jill. Now, before you go, you you had one or two disappointments that you thought you could share this morning. What comes to mind when you think of that subject of disappointment? It's interesting, isn't it? It's been such an interesting set of uh, discussions, this. And uh, Robin spent and I spent quite a lot of time thinking about disappointments. And then the thing that leapt into my mind was something that happened over 55 years ago, uh, which has really shaped my life totally. And that was, uh, I would say, failing, but maybe I should say not passing the 11 plus. Okay, so that was a big disappointment. It was a huge disappointment. I'm a huge disappointment for my family, huge disappointment. We're not disappointed with her, are we? No, not at all. <laughs> and I remember very clearly sitting, sitting in the garden, sobbing my heart out, my uncle giving me, in my memory, 50p. But I was saying to Robin, ah, it was pre-decimalisation, so it must have been uh, half a crown, I think, yes, to soften the blow. But my life has been set around education. I'm passionate about education. I'm passionate about equal opportunities in education, because I think that was a terrible blow to for people to suffer at eleven. You're also passionate about this magazine that I'm holding. So I'm wondering if that can, if I just mm. there you go, people can just see that on the screen. This is the Poundbury magazine. Now, why particularly ought we be a little bit more interested this particular edition then, Duke? Well, uh, well, I think we're, we're part of the Poundbury community, and uh, there are two organisations in the community. There's the PRA which has a website, and then uh, the Poundbury magazine is brought out by someone else. And we've got an article in there this week about uh, food share. I thought that would be an interesting article for people to read. Um, I do have a couple of free copies, so if you'd like one, especially if you don't live in Poundbury, um, do grab one from me afterwards. Now, as well as us being 
interested in and aware of what's going on in Painbury. Obviously, this is our patch. We want to be friends of, but also to reach out into Painbury mm. community. There's an event that's coming up at the end of the year that I know you've booked a table for and are looking for people to be involved in with you. Tell us a little bit about that and how people can support that. Yes, I, I was in contact with a lovely lady, lovely Christian lady called Anne Broom, and she wanted to give something back to the community after the year we've had. So she decided she would, in faith, uh, book the uh, Brown Sword Hall, and um, she's going to organise a Christmas fair. I haven't got the date in my head. Sorry, Roger. We'll let people know. Uh, <laughs> that's also in the Poundbury magazine. And, um, yes, we, her idea was that perhaps people had made things during lockdown that they would like to sell. Uh, not for profit. All the profit is going to go to the local hospice, who are obviously struggling at the moment. So it's a great organisation to support. So if you want to know more, um, or if you want to get busy sewing, knitting, or whatever else you do, um, I have booked a table in the church's name for, for that. So it will be a, a good way to promote the church as well as hopefully as an enjoyable day. Brilliant. Can we thank uh, Jill very much? Fantastic. Thank you so much, Jill, and thank you for all that you're doing on our behalf with regards to that Painbury uh, website and that as well. Do appreciate that. So Jill touched on um, a disappointment. I'm aware that we put it out there this week uh, to members of the church, particularly if there was a disappointment that came to your own mind, then um, feel free to share that on Sunday. So very, very briefly, have one or two people got anything by way of, of a disappointment that's in your mind that you think, yeah, this is real and relevant to me. I can remember whether it was passing the 11, uh, uh, 11 plus or whatever. Any, anybody at all? Nobody here whatsoever has got any disappointments at all. That is good news. Okay, that makes it very easy then for yourself then, Glyn, doesn't it? We're going to come to a time of prayer uh, now, which Glyn is going to lead for us. And then after Glyn has led us in a time of prayer, Martin is going to lead us in our next song. And then it's our community kids slot. Firstly, over to Martin. Hi, I've been thinking about dealing with disappointments too. And um, so my prayers are around things that have just, you know, come out for us, thinking about what COVID's done for us. And I want to start with praying for the government. Let's pray. We want to pray for our government. We want to lift them to you. I pray especially around the discussions for lifting the restrictions and pray for us that we can find acceptance and peace in whatever decisions they make. Lord, I want to pray, we want to pray for Dorchester and Poundbury and this whole area. We want to lift it to you. We want to see your kingdom come. We pray for prosperity as the restrictions lift and as things hopefully come back to somewhere near a new normal. Have your will here, Lord. Come, grow your kingdom. We pray for our church here, Dorchester Community Church. We thank you that we can meet together now. And we pray that as the restrictions lift, we can all get back to normal. We can meet as a whole community rather than just a few of us. 
Lord, would you lift those restrictions so that we can be your your bride here, your church, for your glory, Lord. Lord, I want to pray for our homes. Again, as restrictions lift, and as we begin to feel confidence to to bring people back into our homes again after nearly a year or so, I pray you bless that we feel confident to open our homes in hospitality and that your kingdom will come, Lord, and that we'll be able to be your hands and feet for your glory in this place. Father, we lift to you those who are ill at the moment. We think especially of Ivy, of Janine, of Robin and Julie. And I'm just going to give you a few seconds to lift those that you want to lift to our Lord. Father God, I accept these prayers for the sake of your precious Son, our Saviour. Amen. We're looking at this subject of disappointment. I came across uh, this story, which perhaps gives a modern equivalent to what Joseph experienced. The husband went out to his car one morning only to discover that it wouldn't start because the battery had been stolen. After lifting up the bonnet, he discovered a note which said something to this effect. I'm ever so sorry to take your battery, but it was an emergency and I had to get to the hospital. I will return your battery as soon as I can. A little later, the battery was returned and with another note. Thank you so much for the use of your battery. To express our appreciation and to make up for the inconvenience we have caused you, here are two tickets to the Dallas Cowboys game this Sunday. You can tell where uh, this story came from. The couple were ecstatic. They were fans of the Cowboys having stickers in the windows of their car and were thrilled at the opportunity to go to the game. What a wonderful turnaround this had been. But when they returned home from the game, they discovered to their dismay that their apartment had been cleaned out. The tickets had simply been a trick to get them out of the house. Disappointment, hope and expectation, and then disappointment again. Similar to, in one sense, what Janine was was sharing about that roller coaster ride that she's had with that health issue. And I dare say, as Janine shared that, you can think of times in your own life where there's been apparent ups and then suddenly you've been left disappointed. First thing I want to say is this. Disappointment is not a sin. Disappointment is not a sin. How do you and I handle disappointment? Joseph was rejected by his family and instead of his God-given dreams coming true and people bowing down to him, he became a slave. Instead of being rewarded for refusing to commit adultery, he lost his job and was thrown into prison. And when he helped another person in prison and hoped that he'd be remembered, he was simply forgotten. Thanks God. I mean, those are all major disappointments that he would have had. He may well have had a few other day-by-day disappointments. We don't know. He would have had every reason to have been hurt by them, wouldn't he? 
but we've got no record whatsoever of there being any sense of resentment or bitterness, uh, however, as a result of what must have been seen by him as being one dent after the other. Genesis doesn't describe the prison conditions Joseph faced, but we do find a description of maybe how he would have been treated in Psalm 105. Verse 18 says, his feet were hurt with shackles. His neck was put in a collar of iron. Just put yourself for a few moments into Joseph's shoes. For the second time in his life, he'd followed God's will and got a raw deal for it. Does that resonate with you? Seeking to do the right thing, thinking that as a result of that, the right thing will occur. And it doesn't always seem to work out like that, does it? Disappointment is okay in that emotion that we feel. F.B. Meyer speaks to us and says, if you have sown seeds of holiness and love to repeat, to, to reap nothing but disappointment, loss, suffering and hate, then you know a little bit, just a little of what Joseph felt in that wretched dungeon hole. Very often we can lash out, can't we, if we allow our disappointment to impact us and often it does our faith our sense of drive self-esteem even purpose for living well where's God in this hold on to your conviction that God reigns over every detail of your life it's amazing how people try to solve the mystery of suffering or disappointment that never seems to have occurred to Joseph or to Job or to Paul whatsoever. Those individuals that we see as well-known Bible characters who suffered so much for their faith never expressed any sense that God is limited in what he has control over. People today, believers included, can be inclined to either blame God or wonder where he is, or maybe we create exemption clauses that we think protect God from when bad things happen as if God needs to be protecting rather we need to find Romans 8 to be our anchor there's a beautiful verse and many of you will know it so well verse um, 28 of chapter 8 says this and we know that for those who love God all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. But that verse means nothing if God is not in absolute control over the events and details of our lives. It's one thing to throw a verse out there, but unless we own it, it's going to be completely meaningless for us. His rule over everything is the ground for our hope, the assurance that justice will indeed have the last word and the promise that this life cannot compare to what he has in store for us in the next. That's where in the meantime we need to learn to wait upon God, isn't it? Isaiah knew well of this truth and gave us these great words and we've lifted our verse for the year from these uh, these words in Isaiah chapter 40. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall soar on the wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall run and not be faint. 
Where was God then for Joseph with all that disappointment that he must have felt? Genesis Genesis 39, verse 20, we simply read, But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. Which means there must be something outside of our circumstances that dictates God's presence. Whether we're in a dungeon or not, we're still able to know God's presence. But disappointment in itself is not a sin. But let's not allow disappointment to be an excuse for self-pity. I'm sure you've, uh, uh, you've met those kind of people that seem to dwell in and revel in uh, the woe is me uh, kind of thing. Some people have a gift of feeling sorry for themselves, don't they? Uh, there'll never be any change or way forward unless we choose to be rid of those chains of, of bitterness or, or self-pity. Oh dear, yeah, I've heard your story, but now let me listen. Let me let me tell you so you can listen to me about what's gone on in my life. And I thought about showing the four Yorkshiremen sketch uh, because they're trying to outdo one another of how bad things were in their life. If you've got a few moments, three and a half minutes it is, later on, just Google the four Yorkshiremen. Very funny sketch. Each trying to outdo the other about, no, my, my life was worse than you. No, well, no, I was more hard up than you. Well, no, mine was worse. And maybe we know people that are like that. Although Joseph didn't deserve to be in prison, he responded to his situation in quite an incredible fashion, can't we? We can see the way in which his character developed uh, and grew whilst he was um, imprisoned. He doesn't uh, appear to be filled with any sense of, of woe is me at all. Two of the king's officials, we know from chapter 40, are then imprisoned as well. And uh, we don't know the specifics of, of what had happened in their own lives that, that caused that sense of falling out. Uh, one translation says that they'd offended the king in one way. We don't know. Uh, we weren't uh, told any more details than that. Uh, but they're assigned to Joseph for him to look after. And we read there in verse 4 of chapter 40 that he attended them. The literal translation to, uh, for that is that he ministered to them. He was taking care of their needs not thinking of his own needs but actually the needs of others these were trusted officials in pharaoh's court the chief cupbearer was responsible not only for tasting the king's food and drink to make sure that it wasn't point poisoned but he would have also been seen as a trusted political advisor as well the baker obviously had responsibility for the food that pharaoh would eat rt kendall says these words he says many of god's preparations for us are simply aimed to get our own eyes off of ourselves to lead us out from self-pity. Joseph didn't focus on himself, but on the needs of others. Reminding ourselves of verses 5 to 8, each of those two men, they each had a dream that had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected, So he asked the Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, why are your faces so sad today? Well, we both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your 
dreams. It's amazing when you think about it at this stage in the story that Joseph would have wanted anything to do with anybody else's dreams. When you think about what had happened to the dreams that he'd had and his communicating about that, that had been the start of things going wrong for him. Well, we've had these dreams. Oh, no, no, thank you. No, thank you. That's the last thing I want to hear. But that's not how he responds, is it? Even in the midst of adversity, he knows that God has given him a gift and he seeks to use that for these two individuals. There's never anything to be gained from self-pity, however difficult our situation may well be. I read a poem this week by a lady by the name of Ruth Colkin. No idea who she is, but she wrote a poem called, a very short poem called In the Morning. It goes like this. Today, Lord, I have an unshakable conviction. Today, a positive, resolute assurance that what you have spoken is unalterably true. But today, Lord, my sick body feels stronger. And the stomping pain quietly subsides. Tomorrow, well, if I must struggle again with aching exhaustion, with twisting pain, until I'm breathless, until I'm utterly spent, until fear eclipses the last vestige of hope, then, Lord... Then grant me the enabling grace to believe without feeling, to know without seeing, to clasp your invisible hand and wait with invincible trust for the morning. I thought that was a wonderful testimony. We can read in between the lines of that woman's uh, disappointment and her pain. Don't allow disappointment to be an excuse for self-pity, but rather allow God himself to use your own disappointment. C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Problem of Pain, says God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks into our conscience, but shouts in our pain. When disappointed, we've got two choices, haven't we? Either we can become bitter and disillusioned, or we can use our difficulties as a means of displaying our hope and trust in God. It was Joseph's right handling of his own disappointment that paved the way for an opportunity that was around the corner. After they had been in custody for some time, we read in verse 4, that suggests that Joseph had built up a sense of rapport and relationship with them. And so they trusted him. They liked him. And maybe that is why they opened up. If people open up to you, that may well be the reason. If people don't open up to you, well, maybe ask yourselves why. But Joseph is taking an interest in them. We read that he spots that there's something on their facial experience, so he takes an interest and cares to ask. It's all too easy, isn't it, to see a facial expression on someone and think, oh, they don't look right today. And then we move in the opposite direction. But just a simple question here paves the way for an opportunity, and he takes that. I wonder what Joseph was thinking at that time. You don't have much to do in prison, but you've got time. 
he would have certainly had time. Potiphar uh, had put Joseph in prison. The king's officials were put into that same prison as Joseph. He's then been building up a relationship with them. He's ministering to them, getting on their good side. I wonder if he thought that these two guys may well have been a vehicle for him to access that place of power and influence so that maybe his earlier dreams may well be fulfilled. The cupbearer and baker then come to him with dreams. Yes, this is it. Okay, here we go. This is my opportunity. This is going to be my passport for freedom. Both those dreams come true. Good news for one and not uh, for the other. But what about for Joseph? Well, that last verse that Jill read to us simply said, the cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. So there's Joseph thinking, yep, any day now, it's going to be release time for me. And it doesn't happen. That sense of hope that he may well have had, and then it's quickly extinguished. The days turn to weeks, the weeks to months, and the lights then seemingly go out for Joseph. Instead of being remembered and rewarded and freed, nothing happens. The book of Proverbs says this in chapter 13, verse 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. We're not told the reason why the cupbearer didn't remember to say anything uh, to Pharaoh about um, where he got the interpretation from his dream from. We simply read that he didn't uh, remember Joseph and Joseph just uh, forgot him. You may well have seen or received a birthday card that in it, uh, it says, blessed are they who never expect a present for their birthday, for they will never be disappointed. (laughs) I like that kind of card. The thing is, when you've had that sense of expectation raised, for then that not to materialise, that disappointment is almost double, isn't it? Because you're kind of at a higher uh, place, and then you've got further to fall. Maybe a little bit like that sense of hope that Janine had about, oh, the appointment's coming. Yes. And then it was just cancelled. And then all of a sudden she has that appointment. Yes. But the news is not good, humanly speaking. That's doubly disappointing. When facing uh, continued disappointment, continue to trust in your God. As disappointing as it was to be forgotten, unknown to Joseph, another even better opportunity is coming. There'll be another two years, but it was coming and it will be worth the wait. We know that because many of us know the story and what's coming. But he didn't know that at that moment. Maybe for you today has been a period of waiting, maybe for two years or maybe more, and you've been incredibly disappointed you may well have not been in a literal prison but you're trapped you feel by the unpleasant realities of life such as the circumstances that you're in over which you've got no control and over which you feel you can't remove yourselves we need to remember don't we that our circumstances are never only what they appear on the surface we, do, uh, we don't know what miraculous events God may well even have in store for some of ourselves as well. Orchestrating something through those situations that we're going through right now. 
our responsibility is to trust him regardless of what we might perceive as being the outward appearance. Chapter 41, verse 1, we read, Another two years then passed. That's over 700 days. I don't know if he would have been chalking those days off on the wall, but who knows what he was thinking. No idea. But he refused to let go of his faith and his trust in God. And neither should we. Neither should we. Whatever that physical or material or emotional disappointment may well be. Why not? Why not let go of our faith and our trust? Well, to be honest, because there's nothing better that you or I can do. Can you remember that occasion in the New Testament where there was some tough teaching that Jesus came out with and, and some of his disciples thought, stuff this for a game of soldiers. I mean, that's not the exact words in the script, but they disappeared. They fled. They thought, this is too hot to handle. And then Jesus turns to that close-knit group of his followers and he said, what about you guys? Are you going to go as well? And one of them said, where can we go? You have got the words of eternal life. Bottom line... They're nowhere else to go, and we haven't either. There is only one who is able to make that happen, to grant to us that which you and I need and want and are desperately eager for more than anything else. What about ourselves, though, as we think about this applying to ourselves? Will things be better if we take things into our own hands? Should we maybe help God along a little bit? I've tried to do that in the past. Never worked. Or maybe we can just accommodate our theology uh, a little bit uh, to fit around the circumstances that we find ourselves in. That's maybe easier. For some, you're disappointed. You feel forgotten. God seems slow to act. Continue to trust him. That's his word for someone here today. In Psalm 22, verse 5, we read that David said, They cried out to you and were saved. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. Isaiah 49, verse 23 says, Those who hope in me, the Lord says, will not be disappointed. Whatever is the on the surface, in the now, ultimately you will not be disappointed if you continue to place your trust in him. He is faithful. Now, I don't keep a journal, um, but every now and then I, I will take notes. Uh, if one of the other leaders is speaking, I tend to take notes, uh, not just for feedback for them, but for me. I want God to speak uh, to me. But also if I go away or when I was on sabbatical and have time out, then I'll scribble some notes uh, down. And I came across this week uh, one of my uh, little books from, I can't remember when it was, um, but this is my confession, if you like, of something that I uh, realized that I'd written down. Because I, I had a time in my life where I listed a few things that I was really disappointed about and I rattled them off to God and I'd written these things down. And I'd written at the end of that, what are you going to do with my disappointments, Lord? Question mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Now, I can't remember that time at all. All I can uh, tell you is that underneath that line of what seemed to be quite an angry question was another line that I'd written either at the time or sometime I would have thought quite soon afterwards where I'd written that what my sense was what of what God said to me was what are you going to do about them and that was that was quite a turnaround 
Maybe that is something that God is inviting you to consider as you're angry with God or as you're dumping all your disappointments to him. And that's okay. But it may well be that for someone, he's actually wanting to ask you what you're going to do about those disappointments. We're going to respond in song firstly, but let's just think of where we've reached. Joseph was unjustly imprisoned. In fact, imprisoned for doing the right thing. Prison comes in different forms, doesn't it, for different people. We get the behind bars thing that Joseph uh, was experiencing. But we can be imprisoned by our own set of circumstances. Maybe that you're watching this at home and you feel imprisoned, not just because you can't get out to join us here, but it could well be in a situation uh, that you are in. Trapped in a situation, powerless in terms of change. We can be imprisoned by the expectations of others, can't we? You may well be imprisoned by guilt. That's a very real thing for many people. Many of us are walking around with a whole load of guilt from things that have happened years before. Others may well have forgiven us, but maybe we've not yet forgiven ourselves. And even for a Christian, sometimes we find that a very difficult thing to do. Regardless of what prison experience we may well find ourselves facing, Joseph and the story and the account that we've got in Genesis provides us with insights for more than coping. One of the things that we must keep in mind as we, as we examine Joseph's life is that God is not as interested in our circumstances as he is in our response to them. He wants to walk with you through those sets of circumstances. And that includes our disappointments, however real and however painful they may well be. Let's allow some of those to come to the surface. I'm not going to ask for a hands up for you to share your disappointments. I know that there are disappointments that are there, that are real, that are living. Bring them to God as we come before him in worship now and invite him to break through those chains that are holding us back. Thank you uh, for joining us. If you've been watching uh, today, trust that God would have spoken to you. If you'd like to speak with us about whatever it is that you're going through in your own life, whether that be a disappointment or wondering maybe how the Christian life and the Christian message can speak into you in terms of where you're at, we would love to share with you. So do contact us via the homepage of our website. Just a closing thought before we then sing a final song uh, together. Where is God when Joseph is thrown in the dungeon? Does his silence mean that he is absent? We're not left to wonder. We read in verse 23 of chapter 39, the keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. God was in the palace with Joseph when he was there serving uh, Potiphar. And when then Joseph went to prison, God was there too. Whether it was in a palace or whether it was in a prison, God was there. 
When we're trapped by our own set of difficult circumstances, the quickest and easiest response is to feel that God has forgotten us or that he can't maybe be present in whatever uh, shape or form we feel because of where we're at. Where fear threatens to overwhelm us, we need to stop and remember that the Lord is still with us. When Sarah was sharing with the children, she mentioned about some of God's promises. No promise of scripture is more comforting than what we read in Deuteronomy 31 verse 6, Joshua 1 verse 6, and Hebrews 13 verse 5, where the Lord says this, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And for some of us, we just need to hear a reminder of God's word into our lives right now. Hold on to that. He is with you. The Lord bless you as we respond in a final song together, which is simply called The Blessing. May God bless you.